Wine and beverage producer Destel reported full year results today. It is for the financial period to the end of June. And it is the company's first set of numbers since its relisting on the JSC this year. Revenue rose 10% to 24 billion rand. Operating profit rose 1.8% to 2.4 billion rand. Headline earnings down 5.6% to 1.5 billion rand. On the line is Richard Rushton. He is the CEO of Distel. Richard, welcome to the show. The numbers are a bit confusing. I count no less than four different types of headline earning lines. I can see there are several accounting funnies in the results, but it makes it a bit difficult to read. What is the number you prefer to look at which reflects the performance of the company the most accurate? Okay, so I mean, firstly, we look at the underlying fundamentals of the business and we posted strong volume and revenue growth. We grew in all three categories and we grew in all three regions. So that's, that, of course, for us is the first and most critical indicator. Then, then second, we, we look at EBITDA uh, as a critical indicator. We look at it both on a reported basis but also normalized. We normalize those for once-off events and in our case, Essentially, those would relate to an, a write-off of, in an associate in Tanzania. And, and we also normalize for currency so that investors can look at our results on a constant currency basis. We also look at net revenue. Our net revenue performance was strong. We converted that into 20% reported EBITDA growth. And then on a normalized and adjusted for currency basis, our results were up 7.4%. On headline earnings basis, which is also a critical measure for us. You're right, our reported numbers are down 5.6%, again, due to these one-tool factors, uh, the write-down in our Tanzanian associates. And if you normalize and adjust for some of these one-tools, our headline earnings were up 5.2% for the period. We also look at cash, and cash for us is critical. Our cash was up 21.6%. And last and most importantly, our return on invested capital metric also went up in the period. So I think what you're seeing and what is creating a little bit of confusion is we sold the ski during the period. Um, that realized a once-off gain or profits on the sale of the asset or the brand and the trademark. We consolidated our wine businesses and sold uh, some of those in order to create more focus. And so those are the the kind of once-off adjustments you're seeing in our numbers. It was a busy year for us as we refocused our business. You listed, I think, in June, and then we were still at the height of Ramaphoria. Everybody thought the economy would uh, grow this year, uh, you know, close to 2%. Since then, the mood in the country has uh, receded slightly, uh, and there are concerns of less than robust growth. And uh, your share price is down 15% since the listing. In hindsight, would you still have done the listing? Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, we don't look at the share price in kind of short term in, at all. You know, we never expected a sudden bump in the share price as a result of the relisting. The reality is we have now a much higher free float and that allows our volume traders has gone up. You know, so that allows investors now to freely trade in and out of the shares. So that has to be good for us and for the still and its investors. So I, I think... Uh, Quite honestly, we are looking forward. We, we've started to roll out our platforms in Africa and uh, we're cautiously optimistic about our prospects in Africa, notwithstanding the, the tough times in South Africa. How big is your African or non-South African operations? Well, in revenue ter- terms, Africa is about 13% of revenue. 
Um, so still small, so, and that's a massive opportunity for us. Uh, in this past period, uh, we saw the, the first-time consolidation of our investment in Kenya, where we're the majority shareholder, and that business performed exceptionally well for us, both at, on the top line and also in growing profitability and the quality of its margin. So, and we're really at the beginning of that journey. So, you know, that gives us great confidence that we can actually acquire businesses in Africa and start to, to turn them into, you know, higher growth, returning, strong uh, returning businesses. So we're busy with that. You're probably aware that we bought a 26% shareholding in Best Global Brands and we're busy building out our sort of production and distribution platforms with them in Nigeria and Angola. So, and there'll be more to come. We, we will shortly also announce an investment in another country in, in, in Africa so I think the good news is we're starting to gather ahead of steam in Africa and build out our business on the continent. Is that your core growth uh, focus, uh, investments in non-South African companies? Yeah, I think obviously our core is to drive our business in t- on the African continent. Um, our focus is on mainstream wines and spirits and uh, premium ready-to-drinks and ciders on the continent. And obviously we are looking for complementary incremental acquisitions uh, internationally to grow our footprint. Locally, there are some headwinds in the industry, the most prominent, the land reform, uncertainty. How, how much land do you possess and, and are you concerned about what is happening in, in this policy you know, environment? Well, obviously, I mean, the uncertainty is, is never uh, healthy. So the quicker we get certainty, the better. Um, you know, most of the wine that, uh, that we procure for both wine and brandy is done through farmers. They are essentially contracted or bought in. We ourselves have about, we reliance on probably about 3% of our requirement from our own farms. Obviously, we have done an assessment. We continue to do assessments. And uh, what we're doing is putting our best foot forward with other black economic empowerment initiatives in apples and grapes so that we can participate meaningfully in, uh, you know, creating productive empowerment through land and agriculture and the economy. And I think that's the way forward for us. The sooner, of course, we can get clarity, the better. The drought, uh, the drought has been prolonged. Um, we've had some good rains in the Western Cape. Did the, the drought affect you materially? And uh, do you think the, the latest rains well, would improve the prospect? Yeah, right. Good question. I mean, the full effect of the drought uh, hasn't yet been felt in this year's results. Uh, there's a partial impact because, as you know, it really filters through because the harvest takes place in the third and fourth quarters of our financial year. So we only start seeing the, the full effect of the drought-related cost increase, which is in the double digits, through the fourth quarter of our year. We'll see the full effect go through this coming year. And I think we're going to see further cost pressure into next year. Um, I think the reality of our situation is we, are, we do have a supply-demand imbalance as we speak. So even though we may have better rains, that doesn't necessarily mean that supply and demand will be restored in a hurry. So we think there's going to be some further cost pressure in the, in the coming year. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you, Richard. That was Richard Rustin, CEO of Distel. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. From myself, Raik van Ikerk, and the MoneyWeb team, thanks for tuning in.